0: To respond to the presence of the Lord, his power, his goodness. I mean, no, it's worship is it's not about responding to him for what he has done, but it's responding to him for who he is, for who he is. The Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's why you would find people in the room today that were worshiping the Lord with sincerity and with passion. Who are also maybe going through struggles of life. The reason is because whether they're in a struggle or not in a struggle has no bearing on their understanding of who God is. Because he's good all the time. Because he's God all by himself because He still is King of all kings and Lord of all lords and healer and deliverer and Savior and Redeemer, because He is all of those things yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I understand who He is, and therefore I'm going to go ahead and worship Him and magnify Him and lift Him up because He is who He is. Feel the Lord would desire to speak to us today, how many want to be used by God? Why don't you turn, just turn to two or three people and just tell them God wants to use you. Have you ever wondered and marveled at how the Lord launched this worldwide movement called the church? If, if, if he would have asked you and I how to start this thing called the church, we, we probably, Brother Ron, would have advised the Lord to do it a little different than what he did. For, for none of us would have probably chosen the people that the Lord chose to start the church. For if he would have asked our opinion, we probably would have told that that in order to launch this movement that's going to impact the world for centuries to come, you're going to have to pick some people with proper education. You have to pick some people with experience. They're going to have to be graduates of some of the most prestigious theological institutes of the day. They need to have a track record of impressive ministry results, for after all, past performance indicates future potential. So you got to pick somebody who's already doing great things. And yet the guys that Jesus chose had no degrees at all. They had no achievements at all. They had no ministry experience at all. Our criteria would have probably included men and individuals of influence who had connections with important and wealthy and powerful people. They need to know how to network with the movers and the shakers. And and, you know, no no offense, Jesus, but but the guys you've chosen have accents that they're from Galilee. They they're 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 the hicks from the sticks. The religious elite in Jerusalem are going to laugh them out of the courts. They're going to laugh them out of town when they try to persuade the religious movement, this powerful movement that you really are the Messiah. They're going to laugh them to scorn. Jesus, you need to pick somebody that knows how to grow a business. They need to know how to recruit people. They, know, they need to know how to manage a competent team. And, you know, this fishing business stuff doesn't cut it. And yet when choosing those in whom he would use to start the church, the Lord chose a bunch of people who no one else would have chosen to launch this concept that would still be changing lives even yet Today. The Lord chose individuals that you and I would have overlooked and would have never even considered or given a second glance towards. And here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost so very strongly in my spirit today that the Lord would want me to tell somebody in the room that if God would use such humanly unimpressive people to start the church that it's only logical that he would continue using those type of individuals to further the church. Now, I'm not saying he can't use you if you've got degrees, and I'm not saying he can't use you if you're educated. I'm not saying he can't use you if you've got money. I'm not saying any of those things, but I feel strongly that God wanted me to tell somebody that he desires to use you in 2020 like you have never been used before. Oh, hallelujah. So hear me. So don't discount yourself. Don't overlook yourself. Don't write off yourself from being used by God simply because you don't believe that you're somebody that God would choose to further the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. Because God has a way of choosing those that others might overlook. So to those who have a past that you're not proud of, get ready. God's about to use you in a way that he's never used you before. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. To those in the room that struggle with self-esteem, get ready. God's about to use you in a way he's never used you before. To those who've made some mistakes, to those who've fallen short, to those who've messed up, get ready for God desires to use you in 2020 like you cannot even imagine. Woo! Come on, somebody, if you believe that and you'll receive that word, put your hands together giving give him praise right now. Come on, receive that word. To those in the room who are not like everyone else, get ready. To those in the room who just don't fit in, get ready. To those with unique personalities, get ready. To those with baggage that God's still helping you to overcome, get ready. To those who know you still have a long way to go, Get ready. To those with handicaps, get ready. To those with mental struggles, get ready. To those with physical impairments, get ready. To those who come from broken homes, get ready. To those who have messed up childhoods, get ready. You might not have ever considered yourself a candidate for doing something great for the kingdom of God, but get ready. God is choosing you, God is choosing you. God is choosing you. You might not have ever considered yourself, but you're not the one who gets to do the choosing. (laughs) You get to say yes, and you get to say no, but you don't get to do the choosing. So go ahead and trust that God knows what he's doing when he calls your name. Come on, I said go ahead and trust that God knows what he's doing Uh, when he speaks to you in the midnight hour and says, I want you to do this and I want you to do that uh, and I want to involve your hands in the harvest uh, in this way. Say yes to it. I know you don't think you're worthy, but that's exactly who God is looking for. So say yes. I know there there are... a million reasons why you don't think it ha- you have what it takes. But God's looking for someone exactly like you. So that there will never be a question of who's going to get the glory. <laughs> so go ahead and say yes. Hmm. The book well explains God's choosing process. But it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That word earthen there, it is, it is speaking of uh, a type of pottery. It's, it, it's speaking of that type of pottery that is, it's, it's, it's actually very weak. It's actually very fragile in and of itself. And it is to those who understand that fact that God chooses to flow his power through. And the reason is that so no one ever gets confused about who it is that possesses the power. So that nobody gets confused about who it is that has accomplished the work. (laughs) Because we understand this is a very fragile vessel right here. This, 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 This vessel is prone to failure. It is prone to breaking. It is prone to falling short. And so when something good happens in me and through me, I understand it was not me. I was simply a vessel of the power. I was simply a conduit for the power of Almighty God. And if he can find someone who understands that reality full well, and they understand full well the limitations of their flesh, while still having the faith to believe that the power of God can work through them. You see the two? They understand the frailties of their own flesh, the insufficiencies of their own flesh, but they also have faith to believe that the working of God's miraculous power can flow through someone like them then that's the kind of person that God is going to place a calling on in order to do something great through them. When he finds someone who understands that they can't do it, but that he can do it through them, then that's the kind of person that God is able to use mightily for the kingdom. I believe again that God is calling someone, I feel it so strong, to a place of spiritual and ministry greatness in 2020. And I've been sent to tell you to not exempt yourself simply because you don't see in yourself what God sees in you. You don't have to see it. If he called you, it's because he's seen it. Watch what the book says in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city crying, these have turned the world upside down, have come hither also. Now, we, we talk about this verse from time to time and we talk about how the early church turned their world upside down and From this verse, we can find that they were literally affecting their entire city. Am I right? They were literally altering the course of an entire city of people. They were the talk of the town. They were the change agents in that particular geographical area. And they were the ones that were leading thousands away from sin and leading them towards the Lord. And we shout about that happening and we rejoice about that happening as we read about it and talk about it from the book of Acts as we should. And we think it is really wonderful that our apostolic forerunners brought about such an awesome display of God's revival power. And we're thankful for it. But I wonder how many of us believe that we could ever accomplish something like that. Mm hmm. That's what I thought. Could could you and I turn our worlds upside down? Could the group of people sitting on these pews right now really usher in an apostolic outpouring that would have the power to shift the direction and the culture of an entire geographical area? And the reason why we question our spiritual ability to do those things. And the reason why we wonder if we could partake in that kind of harvest and be somebody that God could use to accomplish something so grand and glorious is very possibly because there's something within us that believes that the early church had something we don't have. That's great that they accomplished what they accomplished and, and that they could see the things that they, have, that they saw and that was recorded in the book of Acts. And those, those things are wonderful and glorious, but they must have been more spiritual than us. They must have been more godly than us. They must have been smarter than us. They must have been more gifted than us. They must have had something we don't possess. But we find the truth in the verse that I just read, for I want you to see it again, Acts chapter 17 and verse 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers, crying, these guys have turned the world upside down. Did you catch it? The greatest revival that the world had ever seen was brought about by certain brethren. This great and glorious apostolic wave that caught the region by storm was brought about by people whose names didn't even get in the book. You would think, at least I would, that if these people were so much more spiritual than us, they got their name in the book. (laughs) If they were so much smarter, if they were so much more godly, if they were so much more uh, spiritually apt than what we are, and gifted than what any of us will ever be, They surely would have got their names in the book. But no, they're just listed as certain people. Certain people. And the reason is because that's what they were. Just normal, certain, everyday people. They were simply the saints of God just like you and just like me, attending services in one another's houses, breaking bread, praying, listening to the word of the Lord as it was being taught just certain people that actually believed that they could do all things through Christ who gave them strength. (laughs) Certain, no-name people that simply had a strong belief that they could allow God to use them and that in the using of them, they could change their world. And these certain unheralded group of people would just go out every day like we go out every day. They'd go to school. They'd go to work. They'd go to the marketplace with a belief firmly bedded within their spiritual consciousness that they had the answer to the world's problems. (laughs) Please understand, God used certain no-name people Then, and God is using certain no-name people now. And the truth of the matter is this. This room is filled with a bunch of certain people. (laughs) I don't know about you, but my name's probably not going to be in some history book somewhere. A hundred years from now, if this church is still here and the Lord is and the church is still going on a hundred years from now. Nobody will know that I was the pastor and nobody will know that you were a part of this church. They won't even know our names. But it's us. It's you and it's me. It's every single certain person sitting in this room today it is us certain people that hold within our collective beings the power to turn our worlds upside down for the cause of Christ Come on, somebody. It is you and it is I that have been called to greatly affect our generation for the glory of God. In the next generation, he'll call some more certain people. and the generation after that, he'll call some other normal people. But in this generation, he's calling you and he's calling me. He's not looking for talent. He's not looking for somebody so super special that their names are going to be recorded in the annals of history. He's not looking for the greatest of this, the brightest of that. He's, he's simply looking for ordinary people who have a deep and undeniable passion to be a part of the greatest revival our world has ever seen. Come on, somebody, if that's you. Respond to that now. Come on, if that is you, respond to that now. Let him know, let him know that's me. He's simply looking for the housewife. He's looking for the tradesman. He's looking for the college student. He's looking for the currently unemployed mom or dad that has a burning passion to be a part of something that will have eternal ramifications. God is not looking for polished. He's not looking for perfect. He's looking for dedicated and willing Well, I'm not polished. Don't have to be. Are you willing? Well, I got some issues. Yeah, join the crowd. (laughs) But are you willing? God's looking for some certain people who know well their shortcomings and know well their failures and know well their faults, and yet you still have a burning desire to be used by God to usher in an end-time harvest of souls. Just... Certain people. But those certain people turned their world upside down. We all know about the Apostle Paul, maybe. Maybe you don't. When you study the life of the Apostle Paul, you'll find he was the greatest missionary that ever lived. Story of him, he's building a fire and a poisonous viper comes and latches itself onto his arm, and this Paul just shakes it off. (laughs) No big deal. And was completely fine. Paul and Silas, we read about them in a prison cell, and they're worshiping the Lord, and they're delivered miraculously. Earthquake happens, prison doors open, they walk out. Wow. Paul, 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 Paul preached on Mars Hill to so many. Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. We know about Paul. We know about Paul's ability, spiritual giant. Used by God greatly. But look at what the scripture says. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. There we go, Paul. Miracles. Paul. Great. Paul's awesome. So that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases would depart from those people and the evil spirits were gone out of them. So notice, (laughs) talks about Paul, Paul, special miracles, Paul, healings, Paul, 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 Paul. But get it? What's the verse say? It was not Paul that brought the cloth to where the sick people were. It was not Paul that brought that cloth to where the demon-possessed people were. Well, who brought it? Doesn't say. (laughs) Who was the catalyst that brought about the miracle of healing and deliverance For all of those people, doesn't say those were just other people. You got Paul, you got Paul, the writer of the New, two-thirds of the New Testament. You got Paul shaking snakes off. You got Paul doing all that awesome stuff, laying his hand on the guy on the Isle of uh, Melita and, and the miracle happened. You got Paul, all that kind of stuff. But then there came this particular day that other people, just other people, said, you know, I, I think I could, I, I know somebody. <laughs> Paul, you don't know these people because they're my neighbor's. Oh, you missed that one, Paul. You 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 don't you don't know these people. These these are the people I'm working with, and I just I just got a feeling that I take this cloth right here, and if I me, Paul, Paul, you don't need to come, Paul. I got this. I've got faith to believe that when I lay the handkerchief on my neighbor that's sick, on my family member that's diseased, on my friend that's bound by all kinds of stuff. Paul, you don't need to come. I, I got this. Me and Jesus, we got this. But I believe that when I lay that handkerchief on that individual, that that individual is going to be made whole. And that is exactly what happened. Who did it? Other people. Because here's the truth. All of us aren't Paul. Come on, let's just get real. All of us aren't Paul. But all of us are really good at being other people. Am I right about it? Am I making sense? We're really good at being who we are. Other people had the faith. Other people had the belief that they could be used by God. Somebody say it was other people, not Paul. For here's why. There's no way Paul could have ever personally went to where every one of those broken, sick, diseased, messed up, addicted folks were. There's no way one man could have ever went to where all of them were. Were. Hear me, there aren't enough people who we might consider to be spiritual giants. We need to understand we're spiritual giants too. Mm. All right, I got a few of you to believe that right there. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. We We elevate so few people and that's why in altars, that's why in altars, not so much anymore, and I'm thankful to God for it, but in altars, more so when I preach out, but I'll be walking around, and people will be like, Come here, come here, come here. Yeah, what do you want? Can you pray for them? They're really sick. You got the Holy Ghost? But, but there's a misconception, Brother Ron. The misconception is, is that we have elevated a few spiritual giants. That if anything's going to happen, the spiritual giants are going to have to be the ones that do it. But what we've got to get a revelation of is the power of the other people. We've got to get a revelation of the power that rests within us. We've got to get the power of the the unrevelation of the authority that God has given to us. At some point there needs to be some other people who realize they also have the faith necessary to release the miraculous into somebody's life. There needs to be a release of the other people into the context of their worlds in order that they can be a conduit of God's glory and God's power. No, they might not ever write a book like Paul and they might not ever have their their stories written about in Scripture like Paul, but none of that matters to your neighbor. Your neighbor don't care what your title is at the church. Or your lack of a title. Your neighbor doesn't care. Listen to me. The person that you work with doesn't need that sought after evangelist to come to your place of work and pray for them. They just need you. Your neighbor that's hurting doesn't need your pastor. They don't need a missionary to come lay hands on them. They just need you. Well, who am I? Who am I to do something like that? You're other people. You're certain people. You're Holy Ghost filled People, you're anointed vessels of God. You've got just as much Holy Ghost as anybody else has. You've got just as much power as anybody else has. You've got just as much anointing as anybody else have. They don't care that you don't have a title. They don't care that you don't have a theological degree. They don't care that you don't stand and minister to thousands. They just need somebody that has the faith to believe that I can lay my hands on the sick. And they shall recover other people, other people, other people. God's calling somebody to a place in 2020. I feel it so strong as I prepared and prayed for this service that, hey, I felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost speaking to me so very clearly that God is wanting to raise somebody up from the pew that heretofore has done not much at all. And the reason you haven't done much is because you've exempted yourself Because you don't have what it takes It's not because you don't have what's necessary Because God has instilled into you Everything necessary to fulfill the call But you've exempted yourself Because you look around And you compare yourself to other people And in the comparisons of other people You tell yourself I could never do anything great for God Why? Because I'm not her Or I'm not him God sent me to tell you, stop exempting yourself because of what you do not see. If he's calling you to the calling and to the purpose, it's because he has equipped you to accomplish it all. Last point and I'll close. I believe this principle is very clearly illustrated in the life of Abraham. It's written about by Paul. The book of Romans, chapter 4, and verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Obviously, he's looking back and telling the story of Abraham and God speaking to Abraham. And so here we find the Lord speaking to this man by the name of Abraham. And he says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Now, this was the promise. Everybody say the promise. That was the promise of God using Abraham mightily. His seed is going to be as the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. He's going to be used mightily by God. He's going to create a whole new form of people, the Jews. It's going to be God's people, Hebrew people. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful thing. And God is promising him. God is making this covenant promise with him. It's going to be so great. And the Bible continues. It says, before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead. And calleth those things which be not as though they were. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope. This is still talking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. He wanted to accomplish what God had called him to accomplish. He wanted to fulfill the call of God that was upon his life. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He said, God, I know you spoke that word to me. I know you spoke that word to me. I want to accomplish what you've called me to accomplish. Verse 19, now watch. And being not weak in faith. Now watch, ready? He considered not... His own body now dead. For he was about 100 years old. Neither yet did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. For she's like 90. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now get this now. God speaks to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want your seed to be as the sand of the, the sea and as the stars of the sky. You, you're you're going to be the father of many nations. At this point, Abraham has zero kids. You're going to be the father of nations. Seed is the sand of the ground, stars of the and you have no kids. And on top of that, oh, yeah, you're 100. And, yeah, your wife, not 20, she's 90. And it talks about cons- he he. Consider not his own body now dead. He's past the age. Both of them are. There were so many physical realities that would speak contrary. Hear me. Now close. So many physical realities that would speak contrary to the promise of God using Abraham mightily for his purpose. So many excuses Abraham could have given for why God using him, how he wanted to use him, could never actually take place. Exempting himself. God, you just don't understand. I'm 100 years old. My wife's 90 years old. Here's the reasons why this won't work. Here's the reason why this is never going to happen. And yet, in spite of everything that Abraham knew So clearly about himself. And in spite of all the reasons why Abraham could have exempted himself from the calling of God on his life. You see, because there's nobody that knew Abraham like Abraham knew Abraham. And there's nobody that knows you better than you. Except God. And in spite of all the reasons why Abraham could have exempted himself from the calling of God, the Bible simply tells us, here's what it tells us, and this is what God wants somebody in the room to do today before you leave. The Bible simply says, Abraham, I'm just not going to consider that. That's what he says. He considered not his own body. Oh. I'm just not going to consider my fleshly inabilities. Because if God is calling me to do it, then it doesn't matter what is taking place or transpiring in my flesh. So, so... Abraham did not take into consideration the areas that he lacked. Why? Because he believed the promise greater than he believed his insufficiency. Which one will you believe more? I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. God is calling somebody right now. God, in the last several days, God has called you to elevate you in 2020. The problem is, is you are focused, so focused on what you don't have. You are so focused on what you're incapable of. You are so focused on every area of your life where you lack. And God sent your pastor to tell you today, it's time for you to start believing the promise greater than you believe the insufficiency of yourself to produce and bring about the promise of God in your life. I've come to tell somebody, you need to do the very same thing Abraham did when God is calling you and he's speaking to you this higher calling and all of a sudden that voice comes into your head that says you don't have this, you don't have that, you're not like this person, you're not like that person, you don't have the ability to do it. Here's what you need to do. You need to stop and say, I'm just not going to consider. I'm just not going to consider that. I'm not going to put it into the equation when I determine whether or not I'm going to say yes or not. I will not even consider it. You're putting far too much consideration on your physical, financial, educational, relational, and ministerial abilities or lack thereof. Stop considering those things. Somebody just needs to be like Abraham and say, I got a promise from the Lord. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but for whatever reason, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. He saw something in my spirit. He saw something in my heart. He saw something in my life. I might not have seen it, but he sees it. And he's calling me to something greater. And he's calling me through an open door. And he's calling me to greater heights and greater depths in him. And so when that voice of negativity and when that voice of insufficiency rises up within me, I'm just going to stop and say, I will not consider you because I've got a vision to get to I've got a calling to fulfill I know it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense to me more than it doesn't make sense to all of you I've got a calling to fulfill Woo. Woo. <laughs> Listen, I didn't think I was going to tell this story and, uh, But I, I, feel the, I feel the Lord would want me to I wasn't even thinking about it until just now I haven't told the church But um, every year Every year my wife and I If you've been going to this church for a while My wife and I We leave around January And we go to a conference It's called Because of the Times Conference In Alexandria, Louisiana There's about three to 4,000 of some of just very pastors and pastors' wives, leaders, very influential individuals from all over the country, even from the world, that come to this. It's live streamed to, to certain people all over the world, something like 15, 20,000 people. Uh, uh, it, the, the tickets for this event sold out in like five minutes. There's, there's about 3,500 seats. They told me around 20,000 people were trying to get 3,500 seats. It's sold out in five minutes. So we go to this conference every year. The Lord blesses us. We're able to, to get to this conference. And we just get fed. And it's just an amazing, amazing thing. I mean, these guys that preach that, I mean, they're some of my heroes. They walk on the stage. Like, they walk by me. And I'm just like. Ugh. Like, I forget how to talk, you know. It's just what language. Okay. And so it's just an amazing thing. Well, about three months ago, I got a phone call to preach that conference. So this January, well, in just like 20 days, what day is it? Yeah, 20, 18 days, whatever it is. I'm going to be standing on that platform, and I'm going to be preaching. Now, pray, saints, pray. <laughs> so please, please, please be and pray for me. I didn't tell you that, just so you clap for me. But here's what I want you to tell you. So the other day, we're coming back from, we're seeing my wife's uh, mom for Christmas, and we're coming back home. My wife's driving. I'm on my phone. I'm, I'm watching. The, the conference is called Because of the Times, and they've got a YouTube channel where all the sermons from 20 years are on this YouTube channel. And so I'm just sitting over there, Brother Ron, and I'm, I'm watching some of these services. I should not have done that. It's one thing to watch them when you're not preaching the thing. But when you're preaching the thing, the last thing you should do is watch those other guys. Knock it out of the park. Preach masterpieces. Powerful moves of God. And then here I am thinking, I'm going to be up there. I'm going to be behind the same platform, same podium. And these guys are giants in my mind. These guys are spiritual giants, preachers that I've looked up to for years. And I'm sitting there watching it, and this fear starts bringing me down. What, who are you to be behind that pulpit? Who are you to stand behind that pulpit? Only spiritual giants get to stand behind that pulpit. Only people that have it all together and you don't have it all together. Because at the end of the day, I know me better than you know me. And I know I don't deserve to be behind this pulpit, that pulpit, or anybody's pulpit. I'm not saying I'm living in sin. I'm just saying I don't want to make you nervous. I'm just saying I don't deserve to be back here. You don't deserve to be up here. Nobody deserves, deserves to be up here. That's the point. (laughs) Should I clarify? None of us deserve to even walk on this platform and minister the word of the Lord. And so I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be there. And so this fear, this fear, this feeling of inadequacy, this feeling of inadequacy, I don't have what it takes. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I? Now, before this, several weeks before that, I felt like the Lord has given me the message for that hour. I felt strong that he gave me the message. But in that day, Brother Eric, as I'm watching that video, I'm I'm starting to compare my message with their message. And I'm like, man, my message isn't good at all. Compared to this message, my message stinks. I'm comp- Come on, can I just be real with you right now? And so I'm struggling with all this. I'm riding and my wife's driving. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, shut the thing off. And just shut it off. And I just keep watching like an idiot, you know, just... And I feel inadequate and I feel this fear and I feel this trepidation and I feel this heaviness on me and I just feel like I don't deserve this. I don't belong there. What am I doing? Why did they ask me? Like, there's, there's a thousand other guys that could preach way better than me. Minister, what, what right do I have? And I'm feeling all this. And we pull into the, into the driveway. And on our, on our, it's late, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll be done after this. On our porch, is an Amazon delivery box. I didn't know what it was, and so I went out there. And I'm feeling all this. I'm just feeling down, heavy. I go out there, and I, and, I, and I get this box, and I bring it inside. And I open it up. You don't even know this story. It's amazing that you're here today. We're glad to have the Wellmans here today. Maybe you're, did he tell you? So, Brother Wellman, his father-in-law... And mother-in-law are the Morrisons, the pastor and Henry, who I am Brother Morrison's pastor, Brother Morrison and Sister Morrison's pastor. They wanted to give me a Christmas present for being their pastor. And so they bought me a Bible. Stay with me now. They bought me a Bible. Now, remember, I knew what God wanted me to preach Okay? I knew what the Lord wanted me to preach at this conference. And I went through this whole thing watching this video. I'm feeling down. I'm questioning everything. I'm like, this, this message isn't going to work. It's not going to be good. But I knew when I was praying that God spoke it. But now I'm questioning it and feeling all this spirit of anxiety and inadequacy and all this kind of stuff. And so I I get that, I get that box and I open it up and it's a Bible. It's a nice Bible, and I'm just like, man, this is so nice of them to get me this Bible. What, what, a, what a wonderful Christmas present this was and whatever. And you know, it's got the tab, the, the little hangy thing right there, okay, little bookmark. What is was a red one. And out of curiosity, I don't even know why I did it, but out of curiosity, I thought, I wonder what page that little ribbon is marking. I was just curious. So I took the tab. And I opened it up, and it was the very verse God told me to preach at that conference. It wasn't the page after. It wasn't the page before. As soon as it opened up, it was already marked. As soon as it opened up, my eyes fell on the text. And it was my exact text that I'm preaching. I'm here to tell somebody, listen to me. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what God is calling you to. Do not exempt yourself from the call of God that is on your life. If he called you to do it, he's going to equip you to do what he called you to do. Come on, stand to your feet right now. I don't care what it is. I don't care how big it is. You say, well, you don't know what he's calling me to. It's big. It's big. It's really, really big. It doesn't matter. If you know God has called you to do it, don't exempt yourself because you don't think you have what it takes. Come on, somebody lift your hands right now. I just will not consider that. I will just not consider that. Doesn't matter how I feel in my body. I won't consider it if God's calling me to something else.